This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning and welcome to Ringgit and Sense, the show that's all about personal finance. I'm Roshan Kanesan. In conjunction with World Environment Day happening tomorrow, today we're going to take a look at environmental, social and corporate governance investing, more commonly known as ESG. ESG has become a much bigger topic over the last few years. Now to help us learn more about ESG and what to watch out for if you are a potential investor or just curious about the topic, I'm speaking with Raymond Tang, CEO of eSpring Investments. Uh, Raymond, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to Ringgit and Sense. Thank you, Russia. Glad to be on there. So, Raymond, very clearly, there are three components to ESG investing. The environmental component encompasses a company's impact on the planet in both positive and negative ways. So, let's start with that one first, that being in conjunction with World Environment Day. What are the key things to watch here when analyzing or studying potential investments from the environmental component? Thanks for the question, Russia. I think first off, uh, in spring, we usually focus on the corporate governance type more than uh, all the other components. Uh, now, why do we do that? As we believe, we find that those who practice good corporate governance will ensure that their environmental impact is minimized the way they do business. It, it's a difference between companies or management who, who needs to do it, who feels that that is the right way to do it, rather than the second category, or there may be some companies who find that, let's do it because it's the trend now. It's the in thing, let's do it without understanding why they're doing it. So I believe that that separates the great companies from the good companies. So if the board and management of a company say, we should be doing this, let's do it the right way, corporate governance, then everything else should fall in line. So all the reduced carbon footprint, recycling habits, um, all this will be as a resultant behavior of one doing the right thing. So we focus on the corporate governance more. Right. So the governance part is kind of, has a spillover effect over the rest of the ESG components, possibly. Um, I'll ask you a little bit more about that in just a second. But before that, uh, let's touch a little bit on the social component as well, right, of ESG. And this is more of the people-centric uh, element, you know, whether it's issues relating to employees, customers, consumers, suppliers, uh, local community and society at large. Essentially, just all the varying stakeholders possibly involved here. Um as an asset manager yourself, um, what are the key issues that investors watch here in particular? Because uh, you've really highlighted the importance of governance. So, uh, and environmental concerns include things like recycling. What about the social impact part? Yeah, I agree. The social impact part is also very important because what we do are impacting people's lives. Just that what we're doing in, the, in the, our own company impacts our local staff. Why should we handle that... Uh, foreign labor be handled differently, right? And this has been the issue in the limelight uh, in Malaysia recently. Now, if you move back like uh, 10, 15 years ago, we remember the issues of uh, Adidas and Nikes, um, the footballs that the FIFA was yeah. being hand-sewn in Pakistan or somewhere by child labor. That's obviously a very extreme case of uh, human rights violations. Where they should be in school, they're actually sewing soccer balls for pittance and being sold at a high price to Nike and uh, Adidas. And so in our case, extrapolate forward, we should actually respect other people have rights as well. Now, how does it affect business investors? And recently we've seen that cases of uh, glove companies, shipments being confiscated by the US border controls because of suspected human rights violations. It affects business. 
When it affects business, it affects profits. So as us as investors, we look at this, I would say, negative aspects of doing uh, work the wrong way, doing business the wrong way, which had an impact on all stakeholders, not only the workers themselves, but the management, on profits, on investors as well at large, and the reputation of the country. So all this gels together in line. Do we want to do it the right way? Or do we want to do it just, you know, just above the passing mark? Right. <laughs> right. And just it, to make compliance. Right. So essentially, I think from our perspective, it's mostly the the labor concerns that uh, we look at as yeah. investors. But, you know, there are also other stakeholders involved there. But I think from a Malaysian perspective, uh, we've got much bigger examples, as you've noted, the top glove example, yeah. but even I think even Sime W plantations, they've all had uh, issues with the uh, custom border and patrol in terms of uh, with their products. Now, before we get into the investment portion of this, uh, the strategy part, let's touch a little bit on about corporate governance because we started off this conversation with that. And uh, essentially, I think you noted or at least highlighted how important it is because that kind of spills over into the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, as potential shareholders, as potential investors, what is important to watch here? Uh, there are a couple of things we look at, Russian. At eSpring, we look at, first of all, the transparency and the disclosure that's given by the companies, right? So what the level of, uh, do they just give a broad level, high level disclosure, or are they run the disclosure on the ESG runs into 10 or 20 pages in the annual report, right? So that is one thing we look at, the level, the intent, and the implementation. And secondly, we look at the roles and actions of key people. Do they have dedicated uh, people looking at the ESG components, right? Are they just normal management? Are they part of senior management? Are they part of the exco or even the board? Or the board takes uh, overall responsibility for the management of the company. How much of that time is spent in discussion in the board meetings? And important also is the makeup of the board. Are the board developers in the business of the company? Let's say, for example, if I'm the investment company, and I get someone who's from a furniture manufacturer to sit in on my board, just for an example, how does that person contribute to this business and be able to know that these are the pain points and address it? If I'm running a furniture company, I'm running a manufacturing company, that person who's from a furniture background would be very pertinent. But how much of the expertise is relevant to the company and how independent they are. Are we looking at independent directors who are very vocal, who are very uh, not not scared to call a spade a spade? So that and the expertise of the board and how engaged they are will also give us a sense. Um, Companies focus and really, I would say, uh, they put a lot of focus in this or it's just plain lip service. So that, I believe, are some of the touch points that we look at. Right. So one being the management itself, whether they've got someone dedicated towards the ESG concerns, but also uh, mm-hmm. the board composition, how it looks like and whether it actually adds a value, I guess, towards the, the goals of the company or even the, I guess, priorities like ESG itself. Um, now that we've kind of laid the land a little bit in things of what to watch, from an overall perspective here, how does one value ESG stocks at companies? Is there a premium to the valuation? Is it How different is it is it from the normal uh, stock valuations? That's an extremely, extremely good question. At the end of the day, when we do investments, it's about uh, making returns, right? Mm-hmm. So if I can take that question uh, a step backwards, I think 
five, ten years ago, a lot of European companies, um, and I believe Prudential also recently did the same, to say that, look, we want to do things the right way. And there were some European companies, I think that uh, uh, pension funds, even 10 years ago, were saying, we do not mind making lesser returns, but we want to make returns the right way. Now, that's a very bold statement. Mm. That they say, look, they tell their members that they are pensioners. What we do has an impact on the world. And we want to make sure that we have uh, we manage your pensions in a way where it suits where it will be suits the conscience of the country, of the people, of the company and the brand. And that's a very, very bold statement out there to say we will do it the right way. Right. Fast forward now, I think that that is catching on in a lot of um, firms, a lot of asset owners in Malaysia as well, as far as uh, in the region. So I think that that becomes an important part where you look at, if you get all the non-financial parts correct, the financial part would be just a, I would say, it will come naturally over time. Because if more assets are being plowed into or invested in companies of this nature, it will shift it may shift the behavior of some of these companies who are maybe one third way there or halfway there to encourage them to move that way. If they want assets, if they want their share prices up, if they want asset values up, they will need to compel them to do the right behavior. I would love to say there should be an SOP for ESG, <laughs> right? But roughly you all know what the right thing to do. But uh, the devil's in the details in our, in our, in our space of work. So I believe that's important as well to head them the right direction and work with them. Well, I guess, Raymond, as you pointed out, right, it, I mean, while uh, some big investors, particularly in Europe, have said that they are more okay with less returns and uh, uh, as long as we're doing the good, right things, the good things, um, I'm not sure how well that translates over in Asia in terms of uh, maybe it's not as permeated true, right, in terms of the priorities that a lot of companies and people have here. So I guess the big question comes down to uh, return uh, valuation, right? Um, ESG investors still value returns. How does ESG investing perform in terms of returns then? Is there uh, any comparables that you have? Um, in terms of comparables in Asia, I do not think there are many. Um, even if you look at, uh, I would say, ETFs type based on ESGs, there are not many to compare with. Right? So one cannot say that uh, they are superior or inferior in any way. But let's say look at the terms of, say, um, if I use a recent example, Shara Investment. Now, Shara Investment uh, do not invest in banks, right? And at some points in time over the cycle, they do much better. Like in the 2008, 2009 global financial crisis, banks were basically our vote. Shara funds outperform the non-Shara funds during that point. But when banks came back, the Shara funds underperform. But let's look at it in the longer term. In the longer term, I would say that Shara funds and non-Shara funds, your returns are comparable. You are not losing out anything, not much, if you invest in Shara funds by having the conscious decision in want to do your investments in a Shara manner. And that's what we think that ESG will be heading that way as well. As more assets and more companies are being plowed into that space, it will compel behavior 
and hopefully have the chance to save the world at the same time and make some money at the side. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, Raymond, we're going to dive into more details in just a little bit. I've been speaking with Raymond Tang, CEO for East Springs Investments, and you've been listening to Ring It and Sense on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Ring It and Sense, the show that's all about personal finance. I'm Roshan Kanesan. This morning, I'm speaking with Raymond Tang, CEO of eSpring Investments, and we're talking about ESG investing. So, Raymond, we've said the lay of the land. We've talked a little bit about returns here. When we look at individual companies, whether in Malaysia or abroad, what are the key non-financial metrics to pay attention to? I think you look at the things that uh, they would dis- come back to disclosure again, all comes of information. They will need to look at we will look at look from the disclosure, the annual reports, what's the carbon intensity over, let's say, the last five years, and what is the plan moving forward? What's the water usage? Um, are they, uh, do they have business in being air polluting? The power consumption, defore- are they involved in activities which may involve deforestation or biodiversity? That's on the E part. On the S part, is the company a good employer? Is, it, is their turnover, if we get the such detail, the turnover of the staff higher or lower than the industry average or the national average? Do they pay their, their workers uh, a premium to the national average? Are the benefits more? Do they have like, uh, more activities that will uh, promote diversity inclusion? Right. And uh, on the G part, as I mentioned, the makeup of the board of directors, how much and how important uh, do they does a company give to the independent directors, the level of disclosure, related party transactions, all these would be non-financial, I would say, data points that we look at. Uh, as you noted, this is a, a really, a lot of it comes in from the disclosures themselves, right? The, in the annual report or any third-party sources that are maybe monitoring the situation. I'm sure there are third-party watchdogs out there with this kind of uh, uh, information. So that's one thing to pay attention to, I guess, if you are particularly interested in being an ESG investor. Um, now, let's talk about the financial metrics as well, because this is important to note. And I think as we were talking about earlier, from a returns point of view, it's still not as clear just yet whether ESG will underperform or outperform uh, benchmarks over time. But on the financial metrics perspective, what should we be watching? I mean, we've got the, the regular stuff. We've got uh, profit levels, growth, revenue. What should we be watching? And is there maybe a bit more tolerance for slower growth for companies that are more ESG compliant? At least bring uh, Russian, you look at all these things at the same time. Um, P&L, of course, is the main thing. Cash flow, the strength of the balance sheet, the gearing level, what's their working capital management, how much the, do they do they have a set policies for let's say three uh, percent or five percent of the revenue or PNL goes to a staff fund for staff activities to include betterment of uh, quality of life. Um, these are the things that we look at generally. Now, if you look at you touch about about plantation companies uh, we just now, now. How do the company treat its plantation uh, workers? Do they leave them by themselves, or set up a dorm for them, or do they, in some cases that we've seen, set up townships for them, build a school, have a medical clinic around, for in the plantations itself where the township is? So this, are, I would say, various uh, diversity ranges. Yes, there's an investment, but in terms of way, it has to be reflected in higher productivity activity numbers, higher production numbers, that will all translate back as we feel that we should be looking at. Right. And, you know, like all investing, Raymond, um, 
there are always risks at hand, right? And ESG is no different. What are the key risks to watch out here that may differ from regular investing? It's a good question, Russian. Uh, I think the risks are not very different than the, any major company. A change in the strategy. You may have a new CEO that comes on board or the new board of uh, directors, which changes the focus on doing the right thing to increasing the bottom line. So that'll be a one potential red flag. I want to cut costs from uh, investing in my employees to building a new building. But I'm taking the allocation away from employees. So that is also a potential red flag. So, and uh, the commitment and the amount of disclosures in the annual report on ESG shrank by half and the level of discussions becomes very high level language. So that is an all sort of red flags that we, that we can see. Right. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the more positive elements of ESG so far, Raymond, but, you know, some have argued that there is a lot of greenwashing going on with ESG investing. Uh, the economists, I think last week, put out an article analyzing the world's 20 biggest ESG funds. And what they found was that on average, each of them holds investments in like 17 fossil fuel producers. And these include things, uh, companies like ExxonMobil and Saudi Aramco. Uh, one even held a, a Chinese coal mining company. And on the social mm-hmm. aspect, the, the funds they analyzed also had gambling, uh, alcohol and tobacco stocks in there. So when we look at ESG investing, um, I guess, is it even worth it, if you, especially if you're, you're investing with the idea that you want to do good, right? That's a, there's a whole part of that. You want to be responsible in that sense and not just look at returns. With these kind of, I guess, red flags, is it even worth it to do ESG investings? Or are we just, I guess, for lack of a more simpler word, like pseudo cleansing our conscience? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would think that <laughs> as a start, you, you have, I think you hit the nail on the head. Why, why are we doing what we're doing? And do we pay enough attention to what we're doing? Uh, I think investors, when they want to do ESG investing or investing in a short, they, have, they should have a clear idea what they want to do and why do they want to do it and how much detail they want. Investors need to know what sort of ESG investing are they going to put their money in? So there are, and there are two schools of thought out there. One is what we call the exclusion. If either you are totally clean, or I'm not going to invest in you. Right? So that's an exclusion, right? So you, have, you avoid the, what we call, like we call the, the word dirty companies. Or the second approach is, yes, you may not be there, but I'll partner you to help you to walk through the journey in how to get there. The first approach would be, I would think using the stick. If you're not, I'm not going to put money with you. The second way, I'll put a carrot. Yeah, you may not be there, but you want to be there. You want to be a, a cleaner company. We can tell you what, as fund managers, we look at. We can tell you what we would like to see, what the practices you want, we want to see in order to qualify to be uh, to a bigger pool of investments and hence more people will pay attention to your company. So we would like to play the second role, right? Because it will encourage more companies to do a better job and do the right thing, right? 
So I believe that that's the, that's the role we are in. Right. So I guess what you're saying is also essentially that it's better to start from somewhere. And it, it, these ESG standards are not set in stone. I guess in time they will adapt and as we look into more details and get cleaner over time. But a great point I think you noted that was at one point is do we exclude all the dirty companies or do we encourage them to change with time? Uh, on that note, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Roshan. Pleasure doing uh, this with BFM. I've been speaking with Raymond Tang, CEO of eSpring Investments, and you've been listening to Ring It and Sense, the show that's all about personal finance. I'm Roshan Kanesan for BFM 89.9. Ring It and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.